This is Pastor Matt at North Plinko Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Not Another Revelation Podcast. We hope you guys enjoy. All right, welcome to a Not Another Revelation Podcast where we have been walking our way through the book of Revelation. We took a few weeks off for Christmas and we're coming back. And I want us, since we've had kind of this natural break, to take uh, this week and and look at some prophecy outside of the book of Revelation. And we've mentioned several times as we've walked through the first uh, 10 chapters or so of Revelation about how this parallels with Jesus prophecy, or this parallels with Matthew 25, or this parallels with Olivet Discourse. And so I want us to take today and kind of walk through uh, the Olivet Discourse. So to give everybody some background, if you're not familiar with what this is, Jesus has been uh, teaching in the temple. Uh, This is during Holy Week, the last week of Jesus' life. It's Tuesday. Uh, Jesus has been interacting with scribes and Pharisees, with his own disciples, with a crowd that's gathered around. I've been pretty harsh with the with the scribes, Pharisees, yeah. and uh, chief priest. Had, has not been uh, very kind. Uh, will probably fail evangelism 101 <laughs> in the way that he's he's acting here. They're leaving. He's done. He's at the end of a hard day of teaching. Um, Luke tells us that uh, some people, Matthew tells us it was the disciples who are marveling at how awesome the temple is. And, you know, it's just like if, you, if you've ever been to D.C., you've ever been to uh, any great architectural place that you've seen a lot and then you're there, it, it, how, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, this thing is huge or this thing is really cool. And they're, they're just making these comments. They're walking out of the temple and they're like, this is a really cool place. And Jesus kind of offhandedly says, yeah, it's pretty cool, but, uh, you know, not too many days this whole thing's going to go to the ground. Not one stone's going to be left on the other. Luke tells us that the disciples then ask, when is this going to happen? Matthew tells us that they had gone ahead and walked out of the temple. They're on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples asked Jesus that. So it's flowing like we, we t- talked about in Not Another Church podcast uh, those stories are being told from different perspectives, but it's clearly the same event. Yeah, I mean, they're synonymous. It's, they're just not exact. And so uh, Jesus gets to the Mount of Olives, and uh, he sits. In Matthew 24, it says um, that uh, da, 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 Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them. You see these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be one left upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the close of the age? Now, we have to understand before we get into what's being taught, some of their expectations, Mm -hmm. and we see throughout the Gospels that the disciples never really got that Jesus wasn't going to be a political leader overthrowing the Roman Roman government and being the Messiah that they wanted that era. They they could see things buttoning up. in prophecy from the Old Testament, you have this kind of contradictory 
the Messiah is going to come and rule with a rod of iron and also uh, a suffering servant. And the mystery, as Paul calls it, is that there's a gap between those two fulfillments of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really common in script in 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 prophecy that we we miss something because it, it's hard to to get a description, uh, believe that the words are truth and not understand exactly how it all plays out. Which, yeah. if you've been following this podcast, we've said a lot. I, I'm not sure how this is going to play out, but we know that these are going to be some freaky looking uh, locust budded horses. So. Same thing happened with the Old Testament prophecy moving forward. The disciples are anticipating Jesus ruling from Jerusalem on the throne of David then, today, in in their mind. And so when Jesus says this temple's going to be torn down, they're, they're, they're asking him the logical question, hey, when's these things going to happen? And they're probably also trying to synthesize in all that that Jesus has said repeatedly, I am going to be turned over to the Gentiles and killed. I have to suffer. I, and, and so they're just point blank asking Jesus, when, when is all this going to happen and when's the age going to close? Jesus then steps off into uh, what theologians call the Olivet Discourse because he's on the Mount of Olives. He's sitting, which for a first century teacher would have been uh, taking the role of authority. What I'm saying now is a big deal, and they're gathered around, and he teaches his disciples. And so we have to here kind of step into near fulfillment and far fulfillment and what that means. So let me let me give you an example from the Old Testament that's been fulfilled so that we can see that. Isaiah says, um, all right, so... There's a virgin who's going to have a son, and when that son gets old enough to tell right from wrong, these things are going to happen. That had a near fulfillment in that as Isaiah prophesied this, there's a baby, or there's a lady who is a virgin. She gets old enough to get married. She gets married, gets pregnant, has a baby. That baby grows into a young man who's 6 to 13 and can tell the difference between right and wrong, mm-hmm. then the prophecies are fulfilled. That's the near fulfillment of that prophecy. The angel that comes to Joseph quotes that verse to Joseph to explain how a virgin is going to conceive and bring forth a son. Mm-hmm. And so that's a far fulfillment of that prophecy. So the prophecy is fulfilled. God is speaking truth in both instances. Right. And so we have in the Olivet Discourse two uh, sometimes concurrent, sometimes uh, separating fulfillments of these prophecies. In 70 A.D., there is a rebellion in Jerusalem, and uh, a Roman general named Titus uh, comes to— there was a uh, garrison not too far from Jerusalem, and they wait until the week of Passover— until the city's absolutely cram-packed with people. He then circles Jerusalem and sets up a siege. Nobody can go in. Nobody can go out. You got. You have uh, some estimates as much as 100,000 extra people in the city eating, drinking, 
making messes, doing all the things that being a human means. And he just sits back and waits. Then, uh, after a, a whole lot of stuff goes down, the, uh, the rebellion is crushed by Titus coming into the city and absolutely destroying Jerusalem. Josephus, writing about Jerusalem after the siege of Titus, says that areas that had been um, very populated, had apartments, were really nice, looked like desolate fields. Mm. Um, Thousands upon thousands of people were killed. The people who survived were literally carried to Rome. Um, The Colosseum that uh, we've all seen pictures of on on uh, the internets or some of some people may have actually visited was built from the spoils from Jerusalem mm. uh, the the column that uh, the arch of uh, uh, the Arc of triumph that, that Napoleon modeled the Arc de Triomphe in Paris after if you look at the the marbles on that art are you can see menorahs being brought into Rome you can see it that Arch is Titus's arch, and it's built to celebrate his absolute crushing of the rebellion in Israel. Uh, Titus changes the name of Israel from Israel to Palestine mm-hmm. uh, just to humiliate the Israelites. He, it, it is a crushing, overwhelming, complete, and utter destruction of the city to the point that today, uh, a good you know solid two thousand years after seventy A.D. The holiest site in Jerusalem is not, a lot of people think that the Western Wall is like a wall of the temple, and it's not. It's the retaining wall for the site work underneath the temple. Yeah, There's nothing left of the temple. The stones from the temple are literally still piled up in places because the Roman soldiers, because in between the stones in the mortar, um, Herod had mixed gold so that it would glisten from a distance. And so the Roman soldiers built fires at the base of the walls and tumped them over so that they could get the gold out. Mm-hmm. There was literally, Jesus' prophecy of not one stone left on the other is fulfilled verbatim. Yeah. The, the walls are literally torn down. And so Jesus is, in the Olivet Discourse, commingling, hey, you know what? If you're pregnant in this time, it's going to be rough. <laughs> Uh, in fact, it, it, when these things start happening, get out of the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't hang around in Jerusalem. Things that are clearly fulfilled in 70 AD and then things that clearly haven't been fulfilled yet. Yeah. And so as we walk through this, you'll see um, these things taking place. So he says, uh, here are the signs so that you know when it's coming. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are but the beginning of the birth pains. So, realistically, in the human experience, when's that not been the case? Very true. I mean, I, I can remember, okay, I, I grew up in the 80s, and um, I, I've shared with the church here in a sermon. I, I literally went to Mike Davis and said, look, I'm supposed to graduate in 1988. Uh, there's really no need for me to do this ACT prep because 
Jesus, there are 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. Uh, we, we just know. So I'm not starting my freshman year of college in 1989 because Jesus is coming back. It's not going to be here. Why do I need to know the ACT if I'm going to be in the marriage supper of the Lamb? <laughs> That that did not go over very well. It's the most like it's the most private school Christian school thing in like the in like the history of time. Like that is so funny. <laughs> well, the very fact that he gave me audience to discuss this is, <laughs> I mean, could you imagine going to your your public school principal and saying, "Let's let's sit down and reason through this." <laughs> um, and shockingly, Jesus didn't come back in eighty. He did not. But I've heard so many sermons in my lifetime because of the tsunami in Indonesia. We know Jesus is coming back any day now. Because of the uh, uh, Iraqi war, Jesus is coming back any day. Now, there's wars and rumors of wars. Uh, this, uh, because of whatever, whoever and whoever was or is president now. It's, yes. Uh, or who's not president or wherever you land in, in that in that kerfluffle uh that that's why it's coming. It's, it's coming. It's coming. And and you know what? There there's some truth in the fact that. Well, the fact that you can say it's coming. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, okay, okay, yeah. For gotcha. And, I mean, and I can, whether Jesus comes back before we finish this podcast, or whether he comes back in 454 A.D., we're closer today than we've ever been. And 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 I can and we can find rest in that, which is usually where you come to with argue with those people. Is like, hey, you know what? Agree to disagree on some of the logistics, but t- today we're close to we were yesterday. So I, I really have always been confused at how many date setters there are when Jesus said could not say this more clearly. Hey, hey, dude, nobody knows the day or the hour. I don't understand. Like, where? What is your? What is your math? Like, show me your work. Like, what have you? What are you? <laughs> what have you? Work. What have you done? Like, oh, how did you see? Here's the problem. You didn't carry the five. I, did, I, I mean, like, I don't. <laughs> like, where are you? Where are you getting some of this stuff, my dude? Like, this is just crazy. And, and every few years, somebody will pipe up and say, oh, the Maya calendar, Jesus is coming back. <laughs> uh, and that, again, Jesus could not possibly have been more clear. That, and uh, C.S. Lewis, and I would commend this to you, does a, there is on YouTube a great, um, uh, it's called a doodle. And it's him teaching, and somebody's doodling. Yeah, yeah, you showed me that before. Um, and I, the the quote is something like, um, "The final evening, or something like that." There will be a time in human history when there is a final night. There won't yeah. be any other night. And so, one of the things that he says is what the commands throughout the New Testament are emphasizing is the fact that you don't know. So be ready. Yeah. If we knew, then that would completely undermine the whole point. And a good example of that would be one of the things that he says is that uh, two men are in the field, one's taken, one's left. And and Luke, uh, he says the same thing. Probably Jesus said it a little bit different or later. He says two women are grinding in 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 a barn, one's taken, one's left. Right, right, right. So that clearly will happen at the second coming, but... That's our experience in life every day. Yeah. I mean, I will start week to week to week, and throughout this year, there are people who I love and I'm serving my king with who are going to die and go home. Yeah. And one's taken and one's left. One remains. And while 
God has placed eternity in our hearts, and that is sad. Uh, I, I had a professor at Southeastern that said, the next eschatological event you will probably experience is your own death. Mm. And that's true, and we don't need to spend all of our time trying to run around with magnifying glasses and, and these these algebraic-looking sheets to figure out when, just recognize we don't know when, it's going to happen, and we're commanded to be ready. Mm -hmm. Be ready. And so if Jesus comes back today or Jesus comes back you know, after the aliens have landed, doesn't matter. You're to be at your post obeying your king all the time. And so if we try to come up with the, uh, you know, the, the winds, then what that does is that undermines the point. And the point is not, if, as you read the, the parables that Jesus gives of the unwise virgins and the, the lamps filled with oil, and the point is not to sit around and focus on when the king's coming back or, or when the bridegroom's coming back. The point is to be doing the things that you're supposed to be doing when he comes. Yeah. And so let's focus on making disciples and and leading people to our Savior and not focus on, well, um, you know, if a Democrat becomes president and he takes all our guns, then that's clearly a sign that he's coming back. Because it may not be. <laughs> that's really arrogant to think it's all about you. I don't. Uh, that whole that whole posse just I don't I don't know. I don't know if Jesus needs our guns. I mean that may be a that may be a controversial thing. I don't know. I'm not really sure Jesus is super concerned with all of our guns. And if you and you, and you've got a lot. Like I mean, like I, I you, hate. they're sprinkled around. Like you never know what sealant tile may have a <laughs> may have a blow dart gun in it. Like you just don't know around here. But I'm just not over concerned. I'm 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 not uber convinced that Jesus is super concerned with all my weaponry. I just don't know. I, and I would say if if the church spent as much time making disciples as we do trying to gain political power or, ha or half as much time. I mean, even if we, even if we don't give ourselves full credit there, let's just get, let's just get a 50. Let's just scrape by. Uh, it would be a significantly different world that, that we would live in. And we would have far, we would, the, the number of churches that are dying day, week in and week out, Sunday in and Sunday out, which is pretty high. I'm not sure exactly what the number is, but there is a, 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 an ungodly amount of churches that close week in and week out, and it's and it's disappointing. And so, like you said, if uh, if if believers would shift our focus from that, or honestly anything, I mean, it could be it could be the political issues, it could be you know what travel team your kids on that week, it can be mm. any any plethora of different issues that that takes our focus away from being at that post and serving our King. Uh, any of those things, any of those idols that our hearts make. Um, if we took away from some of that and focused more on making disciples and and, and telling people about the gospel and, and investing in other people's lives uh, for the sake of discipleship, uh, we would have significantly different looking churches uh, than, than than unfortunately some of our churches in North America and all across the world have or, and are looking like right now. Jesus then goes on in his prediction to talk about persecution. And we've talked about how, as Americans, we need to be careful that we don't uh, jump up and down and say how much we're being persecuted yeah. beca because Starbucks takes Christmas off of a cup. Well, I mean, because, you know, 
you say whether how it happened or what happened, your Facebook post got deleted. Well, that's not that's that's not per, that's not persecution. Like even if so, any even if Zuckerberg or whoever censored whatever you had to say, that that's not that's not church persecution. Um, uh, having been a missionary in a Muslim context, um, it was expected that when people came to Christ, they fully expected that their family was at, at best was going to have a funeral for them, Yeah, and they were done. It's as if they died. It was understood that, it, especially if it was a female who came to Christ, that her brother, her uncle, somebody was going to try to kill her. Um, mm. And if you were a male, that you were could not provide from your family from that point forward because nobody was going to hire you. Yeah. That, to me, feels a whole lot more like real persecution than... Facebook bumping my post, yeah, yeah, because, I, I and even even in that, um, I don't think I've put a post up on Facebook that didn't have some reference to Christ in probably the last year, May, maybe Christ or Alabama football, one or the other, <laughs> uh, a football, yeah, yeah, that's true, or maybe a meme. I would say at least 90% of my posts yeah, yeah, for the last yeah. five years have has had Jesus' name, mm-hmm. has been Christ magnifying, uh, and I can guarantee you that my name is not on any list sitting on Zuckerberg's desk. <laughs> and so if we're getting bumped off because of political issues, then that's kind of on us. Yeah. And And we've talked about, or I've talked about in the sermon, and we've talked a little bit about here, we have to be careful if what we're known for is our political alliances and not our following after the king? I mean, we need, probably need to check our heart. That's a that's a hard issue. That's what I mean. Going right back to what we just talked about. That's whatever that is. Again, whether it be what team you follow, what political party you align with, whatever that that idol that we can make is, uh, our our social media, all of those things. I mean, it's pretty obvious what. How we act and what we put up—it's pretty obviously what, what we worship. I mean, it's just—it's—it's it's how it's how humans are. We really are not that great at hiding it. No. Uh, how we spend our time, how we—I'm looking how we, around to see what I'm wearing to see how many <laughs> Alabama, how many, how many, how many posts we make about this or that or the other. And again, it's social media. It's real life. Where you spend your time at—it's pretty obvious what we worship. I mean, we're not really great at, at masquerading that to anyone, and definitely not God, obviously. Um, but, but but yeah, in, 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 uh, for 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 in the context of, of those things and individuals who are actually having their life being made not even I would difficult is not the right word like challenging like threatened in many ways to say that because my Facebook post or because someone gave me an ugly look and or someone smarted off to me because I'm a believer or because I had I did I said something about the church or something like that. To me, it almost feels like disrespectful to those individuals because I don't I don't know what persecution is, and I would honestly say I don't know I wouldn't know what percentage, but like you know I would I would easily say a high percentage of individuals who sit in a church on Sunday probably don't know what what persecution looks like. I've never experienced anything what Paul experienced. Like I've never been chained up in jail, and more than likely probably won't be. Like that's uh, it, and it could happen tomorrow. That and if and so be it, so be it. But I don't, I don't know what that is, sure. and, it, and it's almost like I said, disrespectful of me or anybody to say, oh, you know, I'm, well, I'm just, I'm being persecuted, and and this is what's happening to the church. Well, it's, it's really, it's really not. Like we, we, I can go to 
whomever, wherever in our country and tell anyone anywhere about Jesus outside of language barriers. And even then, I got Google Translate. So, I mean, which usually doesn't work. But nonetheless, like, that's not persecution. Where in other countries, in the countries that you had served in and and no missionaries who serve in those places – if you get caught with with the Bible or with or, or teaching or praying or worshiping or those things, like it's over, it's done. Sure. And that and, and again, for me to say anything that goes on in a Western world context or, or an American context of church persecution, and I say that with air quotes. Again, I I, I really I, I want to avoid that word because I feel like that word is very heavy and has a lot of weight to it, and I want to make sure that that's given to people who actually are being persecuted for the sake of for the sake of the gospel. And I, I, I can say that I've sat silently in conversations with Chinese believers or Muslim believers who looked deeply at Jesus' words here, and and they said to each other, we need to check our hearts. Are we being persecuted for his namesake, or are we being persecuted for us doing things in an improper way? And the very fact that those believers are asking a question that we don't have the self-awareness that's, that's to crazy. ask. That's crazy. Is is a little embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is, I mean, I don't, it's not saying I wish I would get closer to being persecuted. That's not what I'm saying. But I wish that, like, I wish that I was active enough that I would even, that we would get closer to the line of someone's actually doing me wrong because of the sake of gospel. Because that doesn't, that doesn't happen here. It doesn't happen in Glinko. It doesn't happen in our context most of the time. Uh, you know, and again, like you talked about earlier, if we did spend all this time on more discipleship rather than whatever, if we actually did the work of Christ in a lot of communities and places, and we'd actually got blowback from people for doing the for, for serving people, I mean, I, th- I mean, I think that would, and you see that like we you know when, you know, it's not when it's not politically motivated or whatever, but when churches or schools or a teacher or something actually stands up for the gospel and what they believe in in a school, and you get that, you know, letter from Wisconsin or wherever that group is. Yeah, I think it's Wisconsin. Is it Wisconsin? Uh, you know, like I know, even in our even in our city, a few years ago, um, you know, was it the was it city hall? They they flew a Christian flag, and yeah. then all across and then all across our city again. Uh, that I don't, I'm not sure anybody quote unquote got saved because of that. But again, like no one was go- no one was going to. Um, you could tell a difference that someone somewhere was going to stand up for what they believe in. And again, that's not really persecution, but if we did more things like that, if we actually pushed the envelope a little bit instead of, instead of kind of staying within ourselves, I still think that, you know, our churches would look vastly different and our communities would look different as well. Okay. We, we can talk about this all day and that maybe we should at some point. I think <laughs> I told you I wanted to do, I wanted to do some of the martyr stories. I, I, I love that kind of stuff. I, I think that I'm trying to prepare. Uh, and I think that in not another church podcast, we'll, we're going to take some time and do some, um, some church history stuff. Yeah. Uh, to look at, uh, how some of the early believers kind of the arc of their lives w- would almost always be. And then he was martyred. Yeah. <laughs> It's not funny. It's just it's not funny that it happened, but just that's the end of it. And then he was he was killed for the cause of Christ. Yes. And so, you know, for again, when I hear Christians complaining because Starbucks says happy holidays on their cups, I I, I don't know. I, I I get what they're saying. It's a slippery slope, and we need to be careful. And it's our as Americans, it's our responsibility because we the people to make sure that our country is going in yeah. the right trajectory. And and, and I, I believe that. And I served in the Marine Corps to enforce that. But um, we are to be serving our, our first allegiance 
is not to a flag or a country, but our first allegiance is to a king and a kingdom, and we need to remember that. And maybe, maybe with everything that's going on in the political life of the United States today, God's loosening the roots for the religious right, and I'm air quoting and you can't see it, uh, so that we see that we're never going to find satisfaction and we're never going to usher in the kingdom through political means. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Well, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. We talked about it with the, what the, um, what the disciples kind of thought Jesus was going to be. Well, that's not how that happened. That, that wasn't how that was going to work. That wasn't how the messianic work of Jesus was going to come about. It wasn't going to come about from a political rally or political subordination or whatever. That's not what was going to happen, even though that's what everybody thought was going to happen. That's not how it worked. That's not what the plan that God had for the salvation of the people. Uh, and, and and so, again, I, I think that goes to show that that's not – obviously that's not how that's going to work. No, and I, we will see as we, go, as we dig through Revelation that the way that Jesus takes the throne is not through political action. Mm-hmm. Amen. When he comes in on a white horse, uh, there's not going to be a vote. Every knee, blue, red, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, blue, red, in the middle – Communist, everything in between. It's not go. It, 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 it that it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, there'll be no doubt on who's in charge. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe you can ask him what name he has written on his thigh that nobody knows because <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, and so uh, we will know who's king of kings and lord of lords. There won't be any 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 issue whatsoever. Okay, so let's go. Let's talk about the abomination of desolation. Jesus says that you will see the abomination of desolation in verse 15. Uh, we see that in, in the book of Luke as well. Um, he says, let him who's on a housetop uh, not go down to take what is in the house. Let the one who's in the field not turn back to get his cloak. And so this is one of those, I've always felt like this was a dual prophecy here, that uh, first century you see the holy of holies uh, desecrated yeah. uh, realistically. Um, I, I've actually had the opportunity to sit, to be in the room again, silent, <coughs> as folks who are of the Jewish faith debated archaeological finds of whether or not the holies of holies would be actually in what is now the Dome of the Rock, uh-huh. or whether it would be in the courtyard just to the east of the Dome of the Rock. Um, but what we know, regardless, is is that the Holy of Holies was desecrated. Someone other than the high priest has walked on that land, and uh, Jesus is saying, near that happened, Titus tore the whole temple down, and I, I believe that it, there's a, there'll be a far fulfillment of this, that the temple will be, we'll see, I think, in the book of Revelation, the temple will be rebuilt. Yeah. We've already, we've already kind of talked about that and said that there's, you know, there's like five different organizations, three Jewish and two evangelical, that have already built everything, <laughs> they've got it in a warehouse, <laughs> They've got. They're ready to go. They're 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 standing, ready to go. Just as soon as we can get a red heifer and somebody gives us the deed to some property, we're gonna put a temple up. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually surprised that somebody hadn't put one in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, and I say that, and there may be there a, might be an there exact be replica one. of the synagogue somewhere that you can pay five dollars to tromp through the Holy of Holies with your kids. Well, they're gonna put. They may put one in Kentucky up there. They put. They got the ark up there. They that, might just we go. Have the ark. We, yeah. You may just go ahead and spread out and do some other stuff. I, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I'm f- I would love to be able to buy a snow cone in the Holy Holy. We got plenty of land out here. We got a whole park. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's just do this. Let's just do it. Please send your check or money order too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have the abomination of desolation. 
and then uh, Jesus is talking about all of the uh, persecution that occurs, the tribulations that occur, uh, tribulations. Uh, I think that this is describing part of the tribulation because he says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give light, and the stars will fall from the heaven, the powers of the heaven will be shaken, and there will appear in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming. We just talked about that. On clouds of heaven with great power and glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of, the, of heaven to the other. And the reason why we're going through this is uh, in Matthew, verses 29 through 31 are really a summation of the book of the Revelation. Yeah. I mean, that's just Jesus going, all right, here's what's going to happen. We have the lesson of the fig tree, and I'm just going to turn that over to you because you're a resident expert on the fig tree. Well, the fig tree, okay. Well, what we talked about, um, it's kind of which it's kind of Jesus buttoning up a lot of the things, uh, and, and this is at least how I was how I'd kind of read it. And as we were, you had been teaching through Luke uh, earlier this past fall. Jesus is teaching on these things, and the, and the disciples have have asked, "Okay, so when are we going to see these things, and and what are some things we can be on the lookout for?" Because again, that's how that's how I would ask. Because you know, as we see through Scripture, disciples are not necessarily they're not known for being the brightest guys. You know, they they all of them kind of especially again. I said you know yesterday in our other podcast, Peter's. I, I I try to avoid in a lot of ways being Peter because I constantly just want to just want to say the wrong thing and have like word vomit and just say really yes. stupid ignorant things. Uh, and Peter's like, let's just go. I mean, let's just go cutting people's ears off and just storm and storm everything. And Jesus is like, man, you don't even you, you don't get it. You don't and then forty eight hours later, cussing out a little girl. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. You're cussing out Jesus. a nine year old because you oh, you're the guy that was Jesus. I can tell from your accent, you got a hick accent. <laughs> Don't you just shut. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but seeing this, you know, this is kind of after after the uh, these are some of the things. This is kind of the timeline. He's, Jesus is kind of buttoning these things up. He's like, well, he's, and, he, and he kind of says this transition. He's like, well, it's kind of like this. When you see a fig tree in spring, you know that after spring, summer is coming. And so when you see these times, you see a fig tree's leaves change. You see it produce fruit. You see it produce these things you know that the next stage of its life cycle is coming so that you know after we see these this fig tree turning, after after you see this abomination of desolation, you see these tribulations, you see these things happening, you know the Son of Man is coming. And one of my favorite things to, this, to the last semester when we, when we talked through this was the phrase that you pointed out that Luke talks about is, and when I look up, like change your, you're not looking down. Don't look at all the other things that are happening. When you see these things happening, straighten up, look up. The son of man is coming. It's like, man, that is powerful. That is strong. That is some demonstrative language that Jesus is using here uh, to say, hey, straighten up. This is what's happening. Because I can imagine like when stuff's going on in my life or when things are crazy and goodness gracious, last Wednesday when <laughs> I walk into staff meeting, I'm like, hey, have you seen what's happening in Washington? He said, uh, no, I said. I know what's up. happening in Obadiah. <laughs> and I show you a picture, and like someone started a fire at the Capitol, and it's like it's a mess. When we look at all that craziness and all those things, it's easy to get focused again on all the 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 east to west kind of things, all the things that are to my left and my right and behind me, and all that thing, and all these things. And so when things are crazy, I want to look at all the surrounding circumstances and all the craziness going on. But Jesus says, especially he says in Luke, Luke gives that phrase, which again is just so powerful. That says, straighten up. The Son of Man is coming. Your Savior is here. 
Look to him. Look up. And yep. so to hear that, this is kind of, again Jesus kind of buttoning up to bring to kind of bring an answer back to those questions of just like when you see a fig tree when its leaves turn in the spring, you know summer's coming. So when you see these signs and see these things happening, you know the Son of Man is coming. And Jesus even goes on after the list of the fig tree in Luke. Luke's telling him, and it says, "But watch yourself, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipations and drunkenness and cares of this life." And I think that is a message for us today because it is so easy to, you know, whether whether it's you know, I'm not, I can't deal with this. It's 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 Scotch thirty somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Somebody or, turn on Jimmy Buffett or something. Let, let right. me just throw a few back. Uh, or d- d- distractions and dissipations. You know, I, I mean, how easy is it to you know what I'm going to watch The Office for the fifty fifth time and focus on anything other than what's going on. Yeah. And so Jesus said, don't do that. Don't go get tore up from the floor up. And don't become a potato all of a sudden. And and don't let the cares of this life weigh you down. Focus yeah. on me. You be at your post doing what you've got to do. And so I, I, I love that Jesus says, watch yourself. As he's saying over and over throughout the Olivet Discourse, now watch for this, watch for this, watch for this. He ends it with, now watch yourself. <laughs> you keep an eye on your own heart because as all these things are unfolding, it's going to be really easy for you to go, you know, I just can't deal. And so whether that's drunkenness, whether that's distractions, whether that's um, just letting, not caring, watch yourself and and uh, make sure that you're doing what God's called you to do. And so... We, we see that here um, that we that the Olivet discourse is really it really is a taking the events that are are fleshed out in in John's revelation and distilling them down to practical application yeah a lot of the well and again when it, it sort of kind of means more to me, I guess, and helps me understand it more when I when I read those things in Revelation and when we're walking through that and I'm walking through students through that, and it's like, okay, well, this is going to happen, and this is, well, you got to, and you're trying to play the timeline out in your head, and it's like, oh, well, I can kind of go, well, if I, went to, if I went to Luke and if I went to, you know, Matthew 24, I can kind of, Jesus' rendition, not necessarily rendition, Jesus' synopsis of this is a little more, concise I guess like I could follow that easier just because like he's telling the disciples I can follow that a lot easier and I can see the timeline and I can see the things being buttoned up and wrapped up and honestly I don't have to guess on what he means or what he doesn't mean it's it's a little more synoptic and concise we don't have as much details as what John gets in Revelation Uh, but I can come back to that it's like oh well Jesus okay Jesus said this and this is just kind of the more we look at Revelation as we talked about yesterday it's part of it is really tough to understand and a lot of it you're just and it's not an excuse but you're saying well this is what it says, and outside of that, we have no idea. Yeah. And, and, and while that's, you know, that some people, oh, that's a cop out. That's, you know, scripture isn't really all knowing. I say, well, it, it says it says this, and we do know that this will happen. I just don't know how that's going to happen. I just don't. I mean, I just don't know more than I don't know what a locust butt thing is. I have no idea. <laughs> I, right. I don't know what that's going to be. I think um, it's a helicopter. Yeah. I mean, I, clear. Have, I have no clue what that's going to be. How does a, how does a helicopter look like a locust butt? I don't know. Anyways, but to go back and be able to say, okay, well, Jesus said this, and this is John revealing more of that, to, or God revealing more of that to John, is was always when we looked at that and kind of put those things together last semester and in, in talking about this, was reassuring to me to show that, you know, even then, 
God, Jesus, they knew what was going on. Like just, again, to see that thread line of the gospel throughout all eternity unfold itself and see even the end times being played out or being talked about and prophesied about, seeing Jesus focus on those things and explain those things to the disciples, even as clueless as they might have been, is probably just as clueless as I feel like I am sometimes reading those things. Uh, But to see that Jesus gave them the same tools is always pretty reassuring when I'm trying to study those things and try to figure those things out. You know, in the the very first councils of the church, one of the truths that they extra biblically kind of hammered out that the church needed to keep in mind was there has never been a time when Jesus was not. Right, yeah. Okay, so if we believe that, and we do, that's uh, that's something that, that all Christians, if, if you're a Christian, you, you've got, you have to agree with the time. There's never been a time when there was not Jesus. He knows. He's also never, because of the nature of the fact that he's God, he's never paced around in heaven and said, oh, what are we going to do now? Yeah. Uh, He's never thought, he's never been surprised. He's never, oh, man, he ate the fruit. (laughs) I told you not to eat the fruit. Are you talking about something? Stinking Judas. Come on, man. Like, (laughs) crap. Yeah, and though it hurt him, he wasn't shocked that Judas sold him out for a month's wages. Yeah. He, he he wasn't, and and the Holy Spirit and God, the Father who were in heaven because Jesus was on earth, weren't going, oh, let's whiteboard this out and figure out what we're going to do next. That <laughs> never happened. After elections, God's never going, well, I don't know what we're going to do now. It never happens. And as all of this unfolds, and this is more chaos and more tribulation and more war, and just like birth pains get stronger and stronger and stronger as the baby gets nearer, the experience of human history is going to be that these things get stronger and stronger and stronger. I love, and I love what Paul says in Thessalonians: says "It's groaning." Yes, because well, that's such, that's such a that's not a, that's not a that's not a, a phrase. That's not a verb we use often. Like if you're if you're groaning something like okay, so probably two years ago I had a kidney stone. Let me just tell you, a kidney stone will make you yeah, groan. You're, you're not moaning. You're not hurting. You're not. It's not like oh, man, that stings a little bit. You are groaning like that thing hurts that is not a fun time and so that kind of pain that that throbbing that growing that the increasing of of, of that slow increase of pain it'd be just that groaning i love how paul talks about that in thessalonians when he says the world is groaning until the coming of the son of man so all of this is according to plan absolutely and so if there's never been a time when he was not there's never going to be a time when he is not for sure and so as these things unfold, Jesus in, in the Olivet Discourse is saying, I know that, that for those that are here during this, it's going to be worrisome. It's going to be, it's going to, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be, you're going to. Well, in just a few days in this, again, in this context, in this timeline, in just a few days for the disciples. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be worrisome and and crazy. And, and it seems like everything has just come to a crashing halt. But Jesus is, Jesus is saying that. It's it's all gonna work out. It's all gonna be fine. And that's um, I, I use this example because you know you got to bring everything back to Alabama football. Of course. Um, I, I when before the season started and there was doubt that you know we're gonna have a season this year because of the COVIDs and everything. I got in the habit of kind of as a distraction in the background while I'm doing other things, watching uh, the SEC classic games. Yeah. And so I. I, I watched, you know, like the 1982 Iron Bowl c- c- kind of a deal. The 92 Miami game. That's a good oh, one. Yes. That's a good one. 
And so I'm watching it and enjoying the game, and but I would catch myself going, oh, goodness, they've got to figure out what's going on with the end. <laughs> and then in the back of my mind, I would go, well, you know they win, so just settle down. <laughs> That's exactly why God gives us the Olivet Discord. Yeah. We can we can get caught up in the moment. We can get kind of overwhelmed with, oh, wow, we've got to do this, or what are we going to do here? Hey, guys, in the end, Jesus wins. Well, it, and it, in that, on that same like kind of thought to think, uh, going back to the destruction of the temple, if there were some followers that had heard Jesus talk about that, and they see that happening, and they see Titus coming in, all the Romans, and... I would have just like just imagined a light bulb going off and one of the people, one of the guys who had been standing around listening to Jesus, he's like, oh, gee, you remember Jesus, Jesus said something like this. Absolutely. And also, he said, get the heck out of here. So <laughs> let's wrap it up, fellas. We got <laughs> right. to go. Like imagining that light bulb coming on saying, hey, he said this, and we got to go. <laughs> That's right. We got to get out of here. Get mama. She's pregnant. Let's yeah. get out of town. Get mama, and we got to go. We got to go. <laughs> All right, well, we, we've, as quickly as possible, uh, gone through the Olivet Discourse. I hope this has been helpful. I, actually, why don't we take next week and do Daniel's 70 Ooh, weeks? Ooh, okay. Let's look, at, let's look at some of that, and then that'll give us a little bit of time, and then in a few weeks we'll get back into Revelation. So this has been Not Another Revelation Podcast. I look forward to hearing from you, seeing you, you hearing from me. I'm not going to hear from you. You're not. Uh, next week, go serve your king. Thank you guys again for joining us on this week's episode of Not Another Revelation Podcast. You can join us live in person each Sunday at North Flinko Baptist Church at 10 a.m. Or you can go to our website, northflinko.org, to watch our live stream or check out our other podcasts, ministry information, past sermons, and past worship service. Thank you guys for tuning in.